the National Parks Traveler, where we explore the national parks and the issues that involve them. This past week's historic flooding at Yellowstone National Park shows the power of nature. It will take many months and many millions of dollars to help the park fully recover. However, much progress is being made. Check nationalparkstraveler.org regularly for the latest updates. This is Kurt Repencheck, your host at National Parks Traveler. The Yellowstone flood recovery in and around the park will play out for many months and perhaps many years down the road and bring many stories to light. The COVID pandemic also has played out for longer than most expected and it continues to generate stories. By now, surely, the impact of the COVID shutdown across the national park system is well known and documented, and we regret that many park-related businesses in the gateway communities surrounding the national parks may not have made it. The traveler did want to circle back to one particular business that we had featured in an article back in May 2020, the Southern Yosemite Mountain Guides. In this week's podcast, Lynn Riddick talks to the owner of the guide service to see how the company has fared ever since. Whether it be strategy, business planning, change management, board development, executive search, or diversity planning, Petrero Group is here to help. They mix a depth of experience in the parks and land space with a breadth of best practices from other industries. For more information or to schedule a preliminary conversation, go to potrerogroup.com. P-O-T-R-E-R-O group.com. The Everglades Foundation, the only organization whose sole mission is to restore and protect America's Everglades. Learn more at evergladesfoundation.org. The Grand Teton National Park Foundation is a private, nonprofit organization that supports projects that protect and enhance Grand Teton National Park's cultural, historic, and natural resources. By funding initiatives that go beyond what the National Park Service could accomplish on its own, foundation donors improve the visitor experience and provide benefits to the national park system for decades to come. See their successes at gtnpf.org. Soar with Interior FCU. Learn about the different rewards programs Interior Federal Credit Union has to offer, like Nickelback Rewards, Member Rewards, and Purchase Rewards. Explore how you can start saving today at interiorfcu.org, federally insured by NCUA. Full of stunning photography and thought-provoking reads, Smokey's Life is a biannual magazine produced by Great Smoky Mountains Association. Members receive it free of charge each spring and fall, and it is available for purchase in retail stores throughout Great Smoky Mountains National Park and online at smokiesinformation.org. This is Lynn Riddick, and I've got Ian Elman here. He's owner and president of Southern Yosemite Mountain Guides. They're located in Oakhurst, California, outside the southern entrance to Yosemite National Park. The company provides a number of different guided hiking and climbing tours in Yosemite, including a 23-day backpacking trip on the John Muir Trail. Hi, Ian. Welcome to The Traveler. Thanks, Lynn. Hi. Nice to be here. Well, before we talk about your rebound from COVID, tell us a little about your business and the types of hiking and climbing services you offer. Yeah, well, we started our business in 1991. So last year was our 30th anniversary. We guide you know, what we call full service outfitters. So we supply the permits, the food, the guides, 
the equipment, any transportation that may or may not be needed depending on your trip. So the trips range from, you know, one day in the park to, like you mentioned, up to 23 days all the way down the John Muir Trail from Yosemite to Sequoia Kings Canyon. So anything in between as well. So we'll, we have three day, five day, seven day, 10 day, 13 day, any sort of trips. So yeah, we do a lot. Well, congratulations for being 30 years in the business. Thank you. Well, when I last spoke to your company two years ago in March 2020, phones that usually ring off the hook with bookings were ringing off the hook with cancellations. So I'm guessing you made it through the worst. Yes. If the worst has not come, then you could say that. Uh, Definitely challenging. You know, like you mentioned, a lot of the people who planned early, you know, the people who plan for the longer trips, the 10, 13, 17, 20 day trips, they're often planning a year in advance, six, eight, seven, eight, you know, six, seven, eight, nine months in advance. And so by the time, like you mentioned, March hit, people were concerned, like everyone, you know, is this, are we, you know, are, are we going to be able to do this trip? So that was part of it where people kind of canceling the trips that were already booked. The other, you know, you know, major section of our business, March represents, you know, March and April represent the people who don't book early, but aren't booking last minute, which I would say is our majority of people who book. So March, April, May for the summer is our heavy booking months. So we lost the people that were planning on coming already and then no one was really booking trips. They were looking at, you know, what, what are we going to do? Are we going to, you know, are we going to live? Are we going to travel? Are we going to, you know, what's happening? So no one was putting down, um, you know, plans to, to make a summer, you know, vacation. Well, in terms of numbers, um, what kind of booking comparisons can you give us 2020 versus 2021 versus this season? Well, 2020 versus 20. Yeah. So I guess you would need a little bit of reference, but if you wanted to fast forward to 2021, you know, March of 2021 was certainly a, a much brighter spot than March of 20. And then right now, March of 22, I would say is you know, is even better than 21, but I would still say that we are lower than we were in, you know, 18, 2018, 2019. So I still think there's a bit of hesitancy to, to make arrangements, I would think. Um, you know, it's still hard to say, you know, right now it's, it's May. So we still have time to, you know, fill, fill some trips, but, uh, you know, I would say bookings are a tad down compared to traditionally at this time. So as I understand, you extended full credit for trips that were booked and paid for in 2020 and 2021 and 2022, which I'm sure your clients were grateful for. Um, but that means you have less cash coming in now. So how do you compensate for that? Yeah, that that's a really good question. People you're right. We were pretty generous. I thought with mostly 20 to 2021. So we had a pretty robust season in 2021. Um, mostly based on, we had 
you know, a lot of credit on the books from 2020. So like you said, we didn't have a lot of cash flow because that money had come in in 20 and we work, you know, a year, whatever, half a year to a year out with plans and spending. So we didn't have a lot of money coming in, but we had really full trips, which helped. Um, so kind of that old, I forget who, who it was, see uh, Southwest or something. You know, it's the last few rows in the plane that, you know, paid pay the bills. And so we did have that phenomenon a little bit. We ran a lot of full trips in 2021 and the difference, you know, being if you have a 12 person trip versus a 10 person trip and the van holds, you know, 15 and the guides, you have two guides out there anyway, or if there's pack stock supported trips, you have two cowboys and two strings of mules. And so you have a lot of fixed costs on some of our big expedition trips. So it was nice to have them full, but like you said, it was it was more of a kind of let's try to break even in 21, get get most of the credit off of the books and keep people coming through the program and look towards 2022, which is where we're at now. Did you manage to stay fairly calm through all this? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. I'm I'm a pretty calm person by nature. Um, it was such a, a blow to everyone, right. In 2020 that there wasn't, there wasn't a ton we could do in terms of, you know, you can't make people come on trips if they don't want to come. And the, the government was shutting things down and the travel industry was demolished and the, you know, everything around us that supports the travel industry and the in the towns around uh, the park boundaries, it was just you know, demolished. And so it, it was, it was challenging. Yeah, it was, it's, it was, it was pretty rough. You know, we, we, we pulled out of it. We had enough, there's enough expenses on in our company that revolve around the trips themselves. Uh, that if we weren't running the trips, we didn't have those particular expenses. And so that, you know, sort of helped, I guess, the, the debt load or whatever you'd want to call it. And then, you know, some of the subsidies that the, the government um, was offering to the, like the paycheck protection program, we were able to sort of grind through that process. I remember 2020 doing that all summer long, trying to get a loan to keep my employees paid. And uh, we were able to do that. And then it was tricky to get them to forgive that. And so I spent a lot of sort of paperwork time, but it was so overwhelming that it was kind of like a hand throwing your hands up a little bit. And, you know, it was, it was almost impossible to be upset it's something you did wrong, I guess. That's, that's I guess, would rock me off my calmness as if something happened that I had control over and didn't and missed, but um, that wasn't it. So I guess long answer is, yeah, we remain calm. Well, how many staffers and seasonal guides do you have now on the books? And you mentioned the PPP loans to keep folks on the payroll for a month or two, but did you have to let three of your administrative staff go? And yes. did they come back? <laughs> yes, that's a good question. So it's, 
we have five of us that work year round, you know, in the, in the office in Oakhurst, there's five of us that work year round on the business for the high season. And then there's an additional, you know, about, you know, 15 to 20, depending on the season, seasonal guides who work, um, you know, the end of May through the first week in October, which is the high Sierra, you know, Yosemite area season. So we were down to, yeah, in the fall of, I mean, in the spring of 20, we had to furlough everyone and yeah, it was just, it was just basically me and my general manager left and not too much money in the bank. Um, because like I mentioned earlier, that's typically when we have a lot of our surplus come in when final payments are due at 90 and 60 days. And then the heavy expenses to pay those are out are in the summer. So we got a PPP, small PPP loan. It wasn't, you know, like you said, it was two months worth of just the salaried people. So it didn't even include myself. But the first thing I did was hire them back in a heartbeat right away because it's really hard to train people. It takes a, you know, season or two to get people to know how to run the office and to manage the guides and, you know, run the programming that, that we have. And so we got them back on, you know, as soon as we could. And right away we used those funds. Now you mentioned the expenses that you didn't have to pay because they're related to trips that weren't being taken, but what other kinds of overhead do you have? Did you have, you've got an office there in Oakhurst, uh, some staff, what other kind of expenses that are fixed that were tough to, to deal with? Yeah. So, you know, we have insurance permits, um, typically gear we order in advance. Um, so we had a lot of, you know, new gear ready to go for the summer, although we can, you know, we reused it in 21. So that wasn't as big of a loss, but insurance and permits are big. Uh, salaries are the biggest, the admin salaries. Um, we have a big, uh, guides house, uh, rental that the company rents. And so that was, you know, fixed for the year. We have the main headquarters, which is the office and the warehouse with all the equipment that's, you know, that those are on five-year leases. Um, and so all of those costs stayed the same. That's, that's a few of the biggies right there. How did reduced or non-existent park services those first few months back affect hikes and climbing? So we started running trips again, you know, as soon as things started opening up and, and most people would, they were sort of hedging back into maybe private trips. So instead of, a, you know, an open trip with 12 people where people coming from all over the country and the world, you know, they would say, I'll, I'll come, we'll, we'll think about coming, but it just has to be our four people in our family, right? Or, you know, and our friends or our immediate pods or whatever. And so we were, we were trying to run, you know, smaller trips. We were taking, you know, very expensive trips off the books and replacing them with a 10th or, you know, 20% of the, of the, the retail value of that trip, all with the same overhead we just sort of touched on. But the, the park sort of facilities, we, we, we function a lot in the backcountry, So, 
you know, we'll start things in the park, you know, the first day or in the forest lands and the wilderness areas surrounding the park, which are also still government lands, but maybe not necessarily national parks, but forest service wilderness. Um, and so that part of it was sort of incidental. I mean, we had to regroup and, you know, we didn't have shuttles in the valley if we were doing stuff out of there. And we didn't, like you said, mentioned restrooms in the lodging and things were closed, but that wasn't the main thing. We weren't even all the way down to those logistics being the, you know, the, oh my gosh moment where it's like, we can't do it because the shuttles aren't running or, you know, things like that. What we did was we just got private companies involved that were also hustling for business, you know, and so shuttles that we might use, to say, pick someone up, you know, we'll have a 10 day trip across Yosemite and we start them in one part and they hike, you know, eight days across and we pick them up on the other end. Typically we would use a big expensive shuttle for that, um, a third party shuttle. Whereas it's something that we started in the park um, that was just maybe a loop trip, came back to the same campground or parking lot, whatever. Um, but you'd have to take a quick shuttle to get over to the trailhead 15 minutes. Those kind of things, we had to add expenses just to make it sort of seamless. Instead of walking them on the road for 25 minutes, we would spend $500 for the shuttle to come and just pick them up and drive them private shuttle. So those kind of things we never really talked to people about just because we're, you know, high-end company that takes care of logistics and didn't really bog people down with additional expenses. We were glad they were coming. So profit margins, I suppose, at the end of the day were diminished because of all of that. So all in all, yes, it affected us. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be back with Ian Elman from Southern Yosemite Mountain Guides after this short break. The Blue Ridge Parkway Foundation is the primary nonprofit fundraising partner for the Blue Ridge Parkway. It is made up of people who have a deep love for this majestic road and want to ensure that its natural beauty and the experiences it offers endure for generations to come. Show your appreciation at brpfoundation.org. Since 1986, national park visitors have turned to the best-selling guidebook, Passport to Your National Parks, to collect fun ink stamps from each of their explorations. Just take your passport book to any National Park Visitor Center or Park Store and get your free ink stamp with the date and location of your visit. Personalize your passport even more by adding stickers, logging your favorite hiking trails, and mapping your next adventure. You can also show off your love for our national parks with passport-themed apparel and accessories. Best of all, 100% of proceeds from the Passport Program support your national parks. Stamp your passport as you capture stories, preserve memories, and discover America's natural and historical treasures. Washington State is graced with three spectacular national parks, each different and special in their own unique ways. As the official nonprofit partner and the only philanthropic organization dedicated exclusively to supporting these parks through charitable contributions, Washington's National Park Fund has a mission to raise private support to deepen everyone's love for, understanding of, and experiences in Mount Rainier, North Cascades, and Olympic National Parks. Share your passion for these parks at WNPF.org. We are park stewards to ensure our most wild and historic places remain for generations to come. 
to safeguard our preferred arena for adventure, reflection, and inspiration. We donate 4% of our proceeds, that's revenues, not profits, to support America's most wild and historic places. We are Wild Tribute, apparel for the parks. Find out more at wildtribute.com. Acadia National Park is one of the 10 most popular national parks in the United States. It is also one of the smallest and most vulnerable. That is why Friends of Acadia exists. Friends of Acadia is an independent organization of passionate people, inspiring those who love this magnificent park to make a real and lasting difference for Acadia. You can make a difference at friendsofacadia.org. The Yosemite Conservancy helps visitors connect with Yosemite through adventures, volunteering, and the arts. It's the only nonprofit dedicated to supporting Yosemite National Park and funds grants to improve trails, restore habitat, protect wildlife, and inspire the next generation of nature lovers. Learn more at yosemite.org. This is Lynn Riddick, and I'm back now with Ian Elman from Southern Yosemite Mountain Guides. How do you guys market your company? So that's that's a good question. And again, I was thinking about that when you asked me what sort of expenses do you have year after year that even if you didn't run a trip, you still have the expenses. Marketing's a big one. You know, we we do a lot of it used to be a lot of word of mouth and and brochures, you know, back in the hate to say this out loud, but back before the internet. Um, but you know, now it's mostly internet-based, right? So natural search, you know, is, is a big thing. If you searched, you know, guided trips in Yosemite or high Sierra adventures or whatever you, if you're sitting in San Antonio or Dallas or Chicago or Miami or wherever you're coming from, you have to find us somehow. So trying to be found on the internet is a, is a constant, you know, marketing uh, goal. And so there's some paid, paid search. There's some, um, you know, we've been around a long time, 30 years. And so there's a good amount in sort of natural search. And then, you know, we do a lot of stuff locally. So in terms of just advertising at the hotels and things like that for the shorter stuff. So people might already be there and they might want to go half day rock climbing, you mentioned, which we do just outside of the park boundary because of the permitting. Or we might do a day hike. They want a private guide to go see the sites of Yosemite and they want someone to show them around, maybe get away from the crowds a bit. So we will, we'll take them right in the park and do those tours. Those are sort of last minute things. So that's a part of it. We also, from our marketing, we've also had a pretty long successful um, student program. And so we have school groups that um, mostly private schools and still have money to kind of do um, extracurricular trips like this, but we come out and, you know, we'll have the private schools from the Bay and Marin and LA and San Diego, mostly California, but some Oregon and Washington have come out too. Even the East coast, some of the schools will come out. Um, and we'll take, you know, 88th graders or whatever, every year we take them out on a five day backcountry trip. So that's a, a part of our marketing and, and sales and as well as, we're wholesaled a lot. So some of the bigger adventure travel houses will hire us, you know, over the years to run their trips for them uh, as them. So we sort of private label them just because we're known as the local Yosemite and Sierra experts. And so we used to, we don't do, we don't do many more, but we used to run REI adventures trips for them here. 
And then when they built their adventure travel company a bit bigger, now they do it in-house. But things like that, and Mount Travel Sobek and some of the other big adventure travel companies with bigger marketing dollars, to be honest, we sort of move in in that wholesale arena, which has um, been successful and, and I, I think pretty unique. Yeah, I did want to ask you about the school program because um, I wondered with all the back and forth between online school classes or in-person school classes, if that all of that mess caused you to lose a whole summer last year. Yes, is the short answer. Many of the trips were affected and they just, they weren't mostly 2020, to be honest, on the school stuff. We had a double like a double whammy, if you will, where we had a really awful, um, in 21, uh, 20 and 20, uh, let's see, awful in 20 was the forest fire season, which, you know, nationally, I, I'm guessing people sort of hear about in, 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 um, that the forest fires in California are really bad, but they may or may not, you know, tune into the specifics. And so the, the fires can be, you know, a right on, you know, right in like in the park or in the forest service lands. And that's certainly a no go zone. If they're anywhere near you, you, you can't take people out. Right. But what, what happens is, and it can be, they can be hundreds of miles away, like up in Northern California or something that's nowhere near Yosemite as the crow flies. But then if the winds shift, you'll get the smoke. And so I know people from, you know, even from all the way out to Utah and Colorado, they'll get California smoke all summer. And so it depends on which way the smoke's blowing. So the smoke um, created a lot of cancellations in, 20, um, in, in, in the fall of 2020 when we got things kind of back up and running um, after you know, like we mentioned, losing the booking season and then a lot of the guiding season, we kind of got another little, you know, late August, September kind of resold, if you will. And then uh, all new logistics, all new trips, sometimes all new people. And then the forest fires came through and kind of shut us down. So that that's a big deal. And so last summer, to answer your question about the school groups, we we did have a big fire we had a small fire, I should say, compared, comparatively speaking, down in Sequoia Kings Canyon right at the end. And that the smoke blew up north and kind of knocked out a big, big couple of big school trips right at the end. So we did lose a few weeks of the season. So seems to me the parks are bursting at the seams and probably will be this summer. Do you feel like you can expand your business at this point in time? That's a good question. I mean, we're not really looking to expand this year so much we would last year our goal was like let's break even let's get let's get people all the credit through the books and you know just live to see another day right and that was two years you know 20 and then 21 so this year we're looking to grow a bit in terms of revenue um expenses have been really high so far on everything you know like we mentioned and everyone's feeling it you know the pinch of inflation and the supply chain issues and all that stuff really really do hit you know affect you know wages things like that and so we've had to raise the prices of our trips um 
a fair amount to try to cover just the, you know, just the, the basics that are, that went up, you know, um, our vendors, our insurance, our food, our guides wages, and there were some new laws and things like that put in and, and some different rulings over the, the last few years about, you know, paying, uh, you know, wages and all that, but that's sort of another topic, but long story short is the trips are, are more expensive than they've ever been for us. Um, they're not, you know, they're still, they're still a great value, but we, that is the first year where we feel like we're getting a little bit of, um, pushback, I would say on our pricing a little bit. And so that is sort of, uh, something that we had to do to remain healthy and successful and, and, um, and solvent. And so that's kind of our, my biggest worry is that, you know, we're pricing some of the people out that would go on the trip either as their main big vacation or sometimes as like a second vacation, uh, they might do something bigger with the family and then maybe, you know, they'll come back and do something like a smaller trip with us. Maybe they'll just come on their own, they, you know, or, you know, father, daughter or mother, son, or, you know, that sort of thing. So it's, it, it'll be tricky. We'll see. So what was your overall takeaway? Running an outfitter guide business is really challenging when everything goes right you know, anyway. So it's already a, a labor of love a bit. And, and during COVID and the last few years of forest fires, COVID made it very challenging. So it, it made an already difficult business, even more difficult to sort of survive. And yeah, we just sort of did the best we could. We swallowed a lot, you know, in terms of trying to do right by people. And there was a few people that still didn't think that was enough, but you know, that's sort of the nature of our industry too. But overall, I was pretty proud of what we did. You know, we, we kept the business afloat. We got everyone paid what they were owed. Uh, we gave everyone enough credit and enough flexibility. Even, even today we're in 2022, we're still extending those credits in some cases, which wasn't necessarily the original offer, but Again, we're just doing it because we can and we want people to come out on trips. That's what we do. So it was challenging, not going to lie. It was a little touch and go there in, in 2020, but we rebounded in 21. And then hopefully 22 will, will prove to be, you know, another okay year. We're not, we're not thinking we're going to you know, be paying for a lot of kids' college educations with this one this year. But we are hoping that we can get the rest of the credit through. We can, we're back up to speed with all of our, you know, full-time staff kind of, we raise the prices a little bit to kind of keep, keep everything going, just like the whole world is raising prices. And so I think by the end of 2022, you know, knock on wood, forest buyers, um, you know, uh, exempt that we should be sort of back to normal, uh, by 2023 is our goal. Well, Ian Elman from Southern Yosemite mountain guides. Thank you for your time today. I'm glad you pulled through. Thank you, Lynn. Yeah. It's fun talking. That's our show for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. 
At The Traveler, we will continue to watch the progress as Yellowstone National Park recovers from the catastrophic flooding and keep you updated on it. We also will be working to look out across the national park system to bring other stories from the parks to you. For The Traveler, this is Kurt Rappencheck. See you in the parks. The composers and musicians at Orange Tree Productions have created a unique collection known as the National Park Series that has grown to include more than 30 CD titles. Composed against the backdrop of a park's sounds of nature, these musical scores will connect you with these beautiful places and take you there, at least in your mind. This collection is the number one selling National Park audio series in the world and provides the background music for National Park's Travelers podcasts. Visit them at orangetreeproductions.com. Editing and production work for the National Parks Traveler podcast is done by Splitbeard Productions. You can learn more about us at splitbeardproductions.com. National Parks Traveler is a 501c3 nonprofit media organization that provides daily editorial coverage of national parks and protected areas. Traveler's coverage is made possible by reader and listener donations. Visit nationalparkstraveler.org.